Hello, Crossroads. We're going uh, back to back to back. It is Saturday, October 10th. It is about 3.30 p.m. I just wanted to go into, since I've got this time, we're going to go into a little bit more on Noah and his life. Our last lesson was about composure in a context of chaos. This is about character in the context of chaos. And Noah was that just that right man at that particular time. God knows what he's doing. He sees people, he sees, and he raises people up to a certain level, and he picks out the, the, the men that he desires for particular points in history and in time. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more as we go through this. But first, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of teaching Thank you for this time that we have. Thank you for um, the opportunity to teach, Father. Um, in a lot of ways, I am over my head doing this. This is way over me. I am not one of the brightest people, but God, this is a joy that I get preparing and teaching. You put this in me because I couldn't do it on my own. I can't pull myself up by my bootstraps, but it's you and you bring joy in me doing this. And I pray that as I teach that I'm being taught and I pray that people, the listeners will uh, search your scriptures to see what I'm saying. And cause it keeps me accountable because I'm, I should be held to a stricter um, accountability in teaching this. This is not just getting up here and doing what you want to do. This is work and it's hard and it's a labor, but it's a labor that I enjoy and, and I love doing this, but at the same time, it's not about me. It's about Christ and what Christ does in me. And I pray that all these lessons that I've done, I pray that it's because of what you're doing in and through me and people can see that. I'm not there yet, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. And I pray that people can see that it's the Lord who's leading me and living in me as I teach. God, thank you for this time. We lift up the name of Christ, the name above all names, by which men must be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, let's look Look at the board here. Again, I'm learning as I go, trying to do some of these lessons, trying to have good lighting. I know there's a certain glare when we do this. And uh, I say this all the time. Sometimes this is better than live television. But um, we're gonna, our lesson is on Noah. And if you'll notice, I've got the Crossroads banner and I've got the T-shirt on. So that is our brand. But we're not about brands, it's about Christ. And that's what we, what my wife and I desire to do as we teach. Let's look at Genesis chapter six on the board, verses eight and nine, as we talk about this. Remember the context in which they're living in. There's a lot of demonic activity. There's spiritual warfare going on all around, all different types. We can speak in generalities, but you get the picture of what's going on here. There's immorality, all kinds of sexual deviances, People have strayed from what God had desired for what marriage was to be, one man, one woman. Uh, all kinds of, of, of pornography, as, you, as if, if I can say that, pornography. Um, there, is, there is all different types of, of uh, fornication that's taking place, adultery. I mean, adultery might be minor compared to what's going on uh, in this world and what's happening today. Um, and also there's, there's a spiritism that's going on. There's witchcraft. There's, there's uh, occult practices that are going on. As we've talked about the last two lessons, um, 
they were angels that left their proper abode and they committed gross immoralities. Um, they they um, stepped outside their proper abode. They they also uh, went after strange flesh. They saw that these women on the earth were beautiful. They took wives for themselves, and out of that demonic union, you had the Nephilim. There were giants, supernatural beings on the earth. Um, they were roaming the earth. Um, and again, you can check this out because there's a lot of scholars that disagree on this. There's some that say that the sons of Seth, who were righteous, went on an ungodly path, and they went after the daughters of Cain that were ungodly, and this union came take, take, had taken place, and uh, that's what was going on around them and what was in the world as Noah and his ancestors were dealing with. So it's, it's not, and God's not happy with what he's seeing here. He was grieved. And that's the language to show that the, the Lord wanted to see us have fellowship with him. That's what brings great joy to him is that when we have fellowship with him, when we call upon the name of the Lord, when we're worshiping him, when we're praying to him and we're bringing our burdens to him because he, that brings tremendous joy to him and pleasure to him. But people had walked their own way. They had, um, you know, I read Romans 1 last week about three times in Romans 1. We get a glimpse of what, what that world was like that Paul was dealing with and, and how people, they knew who God was that they refused to honor him. God gave them over. God gave them over. God gave them over. He put them, if you don't want to be with me and be in my hand, then guess what? I'm going to let go of you. And guess what? They went over into their own destruction and their own wrath, and they brought their own judgment upon themselves. So that's the world that Noah's living in. Now, what does it mean to have character and to live through this? Let's look at Genesis chapter 6. Verses eight and nine here. And I've written this on the board as well, but I'm going to read this. With all that's going on, and God's going to bring a, a judgment where he's going to bring a destruction on the earth. He says in verse seven, I will blot out man while I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals, to creeping things, and to the birds of the sky. For I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. God's bringing catastrophe. He's bringing wrath. He's bringing judgment. But he sees one man in his family that love him. And the, genera the generation and the family line that he came from, from the 10 generations, they loved him too. Let's see what Noah was like. He has favor, grace. God has given him grace because he's responded to him the right way. He knows who, who his creator is. These are the generations, or these are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He's blameless in his time. Noah walked with God, and he's the father of three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Let's talk about what Noah's like. Let's see who he is and what he's what he's all about. This is not that he, this righteous man, 
This is not meaning that he can throw his chest out and look at me and look who I am. No, everything about Noah was placed on him by the Lord. The Lord saw his heart. The Lord saw what kind of man Noah was. I think about Samuel. When the people of Israel said, hey, we want a king. And the Lord said, hey, you have a king, me. No, we want a king so we can be like the other nations. We'll stop there for just a second. In the New Testament, we are to be peculiar people. Not, not to be odd for the sake of being odd, but when you give your life to Christ, your life is going to be separated from what's going on around you. Remember, a former pastor said it well. He said, God is not going to isolate you from what's going on in your surroundings and in your world. But God is going to give you insulation to deal with, with what is going on in your world. God doesn't, God's desire is not for his people to be like everybody else. God has a different economy in which he does things with us and how he works with us, as opposed to what's going on in the world around him or around us or around that particular person, that believer in the Lord. It's different. People of Israel were to be different. They were to be a priesthood. They were to be a royal nation, a holy nation, separate from what was going on around them, all the other peoples. I, uh, I teach a men's Sunday school class, and it took us three and a half years to go through Genesis from chapter 1 to chapter 50. And one of the things that I keep thinking about is how... Abraham did not want his son Isaac to marry a local girl, a local Canaanite girl. He wanted his son to have a wife that was separate from what was going on. See, the Canaanites, they chased after other gods. They were, um, they were idolatrous. Um, they didn't have a mind to go after what the Lord Yahweh, the God of the covenant, wanted for their lives. He wanted his son to be in a relationship with a woman who had a likely mindset. And I believe that's true about marriage. If there's any young people listening, you've got to be one. Foundation starts with the Lord, and he consummates it with you being of one mind. That's what, that's what he wants. In marriage, we're to be different. Me and Amy, we are different. We have to be. I'm not boasting about that. I mean, I'm, I'm, we missed the mark. We've, we, we're not where we ought to be. But the point is, is that a life that is set apart, it's not one of arrogance. It's not being proud, but a life that is set apart that God has for us. We're going to be different from what's going on around the world. And that was the 
That's what Noah's life was like. He called out on the, to the name of the Lord. He called out in worship because that's what men were doing at this particular time. His life was different. Let me finish the thought about the, the people of Israel. God said, okay, Samuel, go to the house of Jesse. Somebody is there. And every time somebody came forward, one of the sons of Jesse came forward, had several sons. Samuel kept thinking, oh, there's a, there's a strong young man. He's going to be our next king. After the failure and rejection of Saul, who failed miserably, he didn't have any desire to please the Lord. He was all about himself. And so when God, when he went and, and chose when God went and he went before Samuel to pick out who the king was going to be, you know, Samuel kept thinking, oh, that's him. It's him. That's him. That's him. And God kept rejecting him. Finally, the Lord says to Samuel, he rebukes him. He says, hey, listen, men look at the outward appearance. I look at the inward appearance, the heart. I see what kind of person we're dealing with here. This is Noah. His heart is right with the Lord. He loves the Lord. He's going to do and be obedient. He's going to be faithful to what the Lord would have him to do. So he is righteous. God has made him right in this regard right here. This is what he's got for him. So Noah finds favor in the Lord, in the eyes of the Lord. He's a righteous man. God has made him right. And here's the one I want to really focus on. He's blameless. He's blameless in his time. That is interesting. Now notice, it doesn't say that Noah is in baseball, as we would say in baseball. He's not batting a thousand. He's not on the basketball court with his jump shot going 10 for 10 from the three-point line. Because nobody is. Noah is like anybody else. He was born in sin and he came into this world in sin. Here's the difference. These men, Adam to Noah, they acknowledged that. They recognized who they were before the Lord. That's what this is about. As I'm saying this to you, I'm saying it to me. When we recognize who we are before the Lord, God's applauding and saying, yeah, there you go. You're getting it. You're getting it. Let my word, let my word reign in your heart. That could go both ways. That could mean, hey, let, his, let, it, let it be ruling over our heart, but also reigning us in, <laughs> reigning us in, bringing us back to where we ought to be. You know, when I'm in God's word, it doesn't matter what I deal with or what I'm going through. I can deal with it a whole lot better. When God's word is in my heart and I'm dealing with it and I'm memorizing scripture. Yeah. That's what, where Noah is. He recognized who he was before the Almighty, who he was before the Creator. And God said, Hey, I can work with this man. I can work with him. He finds faith, he finds favor in the Lord. He's right. He's blameless. To be blameless is has everything to do with character. It has everything to do with our character. It's not that we're innocent. It's that there's you can't find any ounce of guilt in him. 
Have you ever watched um, the verdict? You know, when you watch you watch some of these old shows, whether it be if you're as old as me, I'm about to be 55 at the end of this month. Whether it's Perry Mason or uh, Matlock, one of these shows, a defense attorney, somebody's being accused of, of some crime they didn't do, but the, all everything seems to point toward them. And when they come up with the verdict, you know, sometimes they'll they'll find that hey, that's not who did it. They they found enough evidence that this is who this is the person did it. Well, with all that to say. You know what the judge will say. The, the the jury comes back in. What is what's the decision of the jury? And the foreman steps up and says, "Not guilty." They don't say innocent. They say not guilty. In other words, guiltless. Not guilty. There's not an ounce of guilt in Noah. They. In other words, it's not that on the outside, he looks good. Everything about Noah looks good. People can see that about him. Okay, well, let's see what he's really like. They couldn't find anything wrong with him. There was nothing about him that they could find that would, that, that would come back to bring questions or put a question mark on his character. Remember, I'm here all by myself at the Five Stones Fellowship right now. What I'm like in the dark alone and what I'm like in the light of day in the crowd, are they one? Do they match up? That is what is being said about Noah, about who we are as people. Let me tell you something. I have failed miserably. I have missed the mark many times. Praise the Lord that everything about me falls on Christ and at the cross at Calvary. can't repay it. Everything I owe, he paid for at the cross. You know what's interesting? From Adam to Noah, those men knew there was a coming redeemer. If he is going to bring judgment and wrath on this coming, on the destruction of this world, he's going to bring redemption too. They knew it. These men believed in sacrifice. They knew they were going to. They were going to. They were going to sacrifice blood and uh, from animals. Blood was shed for the forgiveness of their sins. But they knew that that was not going to cover their sins. But for so long, they had to keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep it. They knew one was going to come. And he was going to take it at the cross. They knew that, and they lived like that. He could come at any time and any minute. That's what. That's how Noah lived, and that's what his life reflected. Last thing I want to touch on here. We're going to be short tonight, or today. I'm going to finish up 
pretty early. He walked with God. He walked with God. That's a habit. That is an intention that a person is doing. That is a lifestyle. That's not just a one-time event, but to walk with God is a constant thing that's going on. It's continually, it's habitual. Paul talks about this and he says this to the church of Galatia. He talks about people, you know, what is on the inside will come out. The fruits of the spirit will be witnessed by people. That's what Noah is showing here. Blameless, righteous, finding favor. People recognize that. They recognize it. They saw he was a faithful witness for 120 years before the flood came. We're we're going slow right now, but we'll take off and get into this event and talk about it a little bit more. It's fascinating. But that's that's what Noah was doing. He walked with God. Enoch walked with God. Paul writes this, I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Walk by the spirit. Verse 25, this is Galatians 5. Let me put that on the board. (laughs) I, I failed to do that. Yeah, this is Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 16, and verse 25. Paul is talking about the deeds of the flesh. He's talking about the fruits of the Spirit in this this passage. The fruits of the Spirit are going to be, you're going to see them. They're going to be revealed. What's on the inside is going to come out of a man. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, those things are what's going to come out of people. The fruit, we're going to see it. You'll see it happen. Paul says this in verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. You know what's wrong with American Christianity? or especially in the South, Billy Graham talked about this. He talked about how people in the South, because he was from neighboring state of North Carolina. I live here in East Tennessee. And he said that he noticed that people, they acknowledged what Jesus did at the cross, dying for our sins, but they thought it was a, it was a vaccine for eternity. That point in time where you acknowledge you're a sinner, Christ died for your sins to get to heaven, but in between, God's doing a work in you right here, in between. God desires to do something in us at this particular point in time. Yeah, we don't want to just be vaccinated. If we say we live by the Spirit, we're going to walk. It's going to be a habit of always communicating and talking with the Lord in prayer, and His Word is going to get inside of us. And when it gets inside of us, it's going to come out. We're going to be able to deal with things. God grows us that way. Noah was doing this. 
Noah was doing this. Here he is. God calls him. He's he's like 500 years old. And he's going to be a preacher for over 100 years. And then the flood comes. People's hearts are so hardened. They've been given over to so much. They're not going to get on. And finally, when the door shuts, when the Lord shuts the door, and they're on the ark, and all of a sudden, things, I'm getting into the next lesson, I'm sorry. When things start to break loose out of the heavens and burst forth out of the earth, and the waters rise, all of a sudden, people realize, hey, it's true what he said, and it's too late. It's too late. Yeah. American Christianity is, it's, it can't be cultural. It can't be. If these things are true, we need to live it out and live because it's, it's a hard road to hoe, but he's with us the whole way. He's with us the whole way because he's living inside of us. It's not me pulling myself up and gritting my teeth and being a cheerleader and saying, you can do it, you can do it, you can, you can. God does it. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in you. It's all about him doing this work in us. And the more I yield to that, the more I surrender to that and come up under his authority and attach myself to what he'd have for me. Understand that perseverance is me attaching myself to whatever trial I'm dealing with. I can get through it. I'm going to do whatever he wants because he's going to teach me a lesson as I'm going through it. He taught Noah many lessons through this. Could you imagine building an ark for 100 years? It's going to be cool when we talk about that. This man was faithful. He was faithful. Let me finish. Let me read again Hebrews 11. I didn't put that on the board either, but a little background passage. Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. This is what it says about Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. He knew these things were going to come. That's why he was righteous, because God said it was. God said these things were so, and he took God for what he said. He trusted that's, what God, that's how God wants us to live. That's his desire for our lives. Hey, thank you so much for this lesson. I pray that it has been in, in, enriching for you. It's been enriching for me as I prepare and teach. It's going to be really good as we continue to go through this and study these things about what the Lord has for Noah, the flood that is coming, and as we study that, the steps that he took to prepare the ark. It's fascinating. And even as we go on through this, as we get, as we get on into the nations and the nations that are, that are being built in the Tower of Babel and how the Lord deals with us, I learned a lot preparing this. So it's going to be really good what we see here. So let me pray for you as we finish up and uh, we'll do this again next time. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for how you guide our lives and direct our paths. I pray that as I teach, I'm being taught. I pray that the folks here that are listening and taking this in, that they will search your word and uh, search it with great eagerness and uh, that that these things are so. 
And, uh, and it, again, it keeps me in a, under accountability under your word. And I pray that as I prepare, that I'm, I'm doing my best to prepare and giving folks a lesson worth listening to. Not for me, but for you. It's all about you. And I pray that you're glorified in these lessons and your name is lifted up. The name above all names, Jesus Christ, by which men must be saved. God, we just give you all the honor and glory and praise because you're worthy of it. You're awesome in all your ways and how you deal with us. May we keep our eyes on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you again. Maranatha.